Good morning, everyone. I know that you will all multiply in the next 45 minutes, and we'll have a nice crowded room, but we'll start with what we have. Um, oh, there is a marker. Good. Um, so today we're going to talk about confession. Confession. Um, and the starting point with talking about confession is what is it? So uh, for we Orthodox, we might take, for, take it for advantage uh, what it is. So confession is a sacrament. The definition of a sacrament, or as we say in the church, a mystery, is an abundant outpouring of God's grace, an action only of God. It's done through the priesthood. But what is received is only from God. Um, likewise in marriage, likewise in baptism, ordination, all of the other sacraments. So what is it that we receive in the sacrament of confession? We receive remission of our sins. Um, and uh, In the church it's often described as a second baptism. Because when we're baptized, we have a clean slate. Our soul is like this. And then we start adding junk to it. And keep adding more junk. And so um, God in His compassion and mercy said, there is a way for us to cleanse our soul again. And that way is through confession. And through confession, our soul becomes like this again. So that if we continue to confess, continue to draw closer to God, and slowly more of our sins are revealed to us by God, we confess those sins. When we leave this life and stand before the judgment seat of God, our soul is as close to this as possible. And that's when we really want our souls cleansed, is standing before the judgment seat of Christ. Why? Well, it determines our salvation, for one thing. Um, but also, our sins are revealed before God, the angels, and everyone. So whatever we have hidden is only temporarily hidden. It's only hidden for this brief earthly life. And all things will be revealed. So don't bother trying to keep things hidden. Reveal them now in confession, and then they are wiped clean, and we are not held accountable to them at the second judgment seat. Um, confession is also usually described with its partner, repentance. So the two are repentance and confession. Sorry, this is a little lopsided today, but we'll deal with it. Okay. And what happens actually right before repentance is contrition or um, the, the prick of the conscience, the realization. Now we can have the prick of our conscience and we could say, I'm not worried about that, I'm just going to forget about that. And then we don't have repentance. But if we actually listen to our conscience, if we hear that, that initial sense of, ah, I did something wrong, repentance then is the first step. And repentance is metanya. You can just kind of ignore the O in pronouncing it. Metanya. There's like an E almost. Because it's literal from the Greek. So, um, metanya, you may notice as this vowel like this. But it's also, uh, it is literally a changing 
of the noose of, uh, you could loosely translate that as the mind or the heart. It's a U-turn. So as we're going in one direction, we go, oh, I'm going in the wrong direction. I need to turn back towards God. And uh, forgive me for those of you who are at the uh, Friday night class, there will be a little bit of crossover here. Because we just talked about the sacrament of confession in basics of orthodoxy. So what is that U-turn? Two little uh, images to imagine. Probably most of you have heard of the idea of sin being missing the mark. Missing the mark. Have any of you heard that description? So, yeah. um, (coughs) Martia means a witness, like a martyr, but it also means the the place that we're going towards. So, amartia means that we're not going towards that place. So, we're shooting off over here. Okay? So, what does it require if we're shooting off in the wrong place? To redirect our aim right at the place that we're intending. Okay? At God. So again, that's another visual of what repentance is. Is stop shooting out here and start shooting right there. Okay? Um, Another last visual is our entire spiritual lives is going towards God or going towards nothingness. Those are our choices. Everything that we do. So if we're going towards God... And then we sort of like go off, you know, we're, we're being selfish, we're being cruel to someone, we're being greedy. Then we go, oh no, I'm, I shouldn't be doing that. I'm going to turn back around towards God. So that's the U-turn. That's repentance. Okay, so some little visuals for you. So when we have the repentance, we repent to God. We can do that immediately, and sure, why not, through our prayer. We can repent to the people that we have hurt. We can say, please forgive me for, you know, whatever it is. Um, And then, that's still not the fullness because the next step is confession. Okay? And confession is when we receive the sacrament of the forgiveness of our sins. So this is recognizing our sin and turning away. And this is the the, uh, receiving of the... um, the washing away of the sins and confession. And the Greek word for this is exomologesis. Who wants to say that? Exomologesis. There you go. Uh, if you look right in here, homology, homily, homily, it's the same root. Uh, we throw an H on the front sometimes when it's a vowel at the beginning. So a homily, a sermon, is a speaking out loud. And this X is a preposition which means even more so. So we're speaking out loud. Okay. Um, so we repent and then we speak it out loud before the priest. Any questions so far? St. John Chrysostom says, Repentance opens the heavens for man, takes him to paradise, overcomes the devil. Have you sinned? Do not despair. If you sin every day, then offer repentance every day. And who of us does not sin every day? So, um, 
So in this baptism, the second baptism of confession, when we have our sins washed away, why did God give it to us? Why did He give it to us? So that we can wash away our sins. But what is actually going on inside of us through this process? If we think of sin as a wounding of the soul, and that's what sin is, anything that we do, so our choice again is God or nothingness. So every time we turn away from God, we're turning towards corruption, death, decay. These are all the words of the church. Okay, so we turn towards corruption, death, and decay. That might not manifest itself externally in our physical body. It might. You know, like if you um, live a really hard drinking life, then you're going to get cirrhosis or liver failure. So there are ways in which our physiological body can actually uh, witness to those sins. But oftentimes the, the witness of those sins is an internal, a, a spiritual wound to our soul. So um, the process of confession is the way in which we can then have healing to that. It's a surgery. So we go in, we find the place where there is decay, corruption, the onset of death, and we begin to heal it. And the reason why God gave this to us is because He wants to heal us now. He doesn't want to wait till the end or till it's too late and we don't care anymore about all our wounds. He wants to do it now. And so he instituted this with his apostles. In fact, that's the first thing that he gave to the apostles after his resurrection. It says he breathed the Holy Spirit upon them. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. What sins you forgive are forgiven. What sins you retain are retained. This is in the Gospel of John chapter 20. And so in saying that, he gave a specific gift to the apostles and then to their successors, the bishops and priests of the church, so that they could enact what God desires, which is the forgiveness of sins. So why doesn't God just forgive our sins? Why can't we just confess to our pillow and have the sins forgiven? Any thoughts? So that you may be healed. Yeah, so at its core, the healing is not the same outside of confession. It's not the same. And the reason is because this part right here. The speaking out loud. When we're speaking out loud before the priest, we have shame involved in that. We feel rotten about ourselves. But what we're doing by bringing it to the light... Because that's what we're doing. When we you know, confess to God you know, in our prayers, that's important, but it's not the same as bringing it to the light in confession. And when we bring it to the light, what we're doing is we're giving God permission to heal it. That's the difference. Is He gave us confession so that we could have a way in which we can give Him permission to heal us. Why does He need permission to heal us? Free will. Free will. That's right. If He just came in and healed us and fixed everything in the world and there was no evil in the world, then we would all be a bunch of happy slaves. We'd be slaves to God. But rather, He gives us that freedom. And so He gave us the sacrament of confession to say, if you want to be healed, here's your place. Here's your opportunity. And what we have to do is we have to speak it out loud in front of the priest 
And then in that, God will then, He hears our desire for healing. And He then begins that, the slow work of healing us. We see examples of confession in the Old Testament, most notably King David, when he had his atrocious sin of um, committing adultery and then orchestrating the death of his friend's husband, so, or his, his friend, because he, he slept with his friend's wife, and so he orchestrated his death. And so the prophet Nathan came to him, and, and uh, King David confessed. And in that confession, then, out of that, we receive Psalm 50. That's King David's psalm of repentance for his atrocious act. And so that's the psalm that we use for our repentance all the time in the church. Um, uh, the evangelist John in 1 John says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if we confess our sins, then we receive cleansing. In Proverbs it says, He who conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. And in uh, the epistle of St. James, likewise, he, he enjoins us to confess our sins. So again, God already knows everything we're going to confess. And he knows way more than that. Way more than that. He knows sins that we don't even we aren't even aware of. So there's nothing new. And likewise also with the priest, there's nothing new under the sun. So anything that you say, God already knows, and the priest has already heard something very similar to that. So yes. Yeah, let, let's hold just a minute. Yeah, we'll get to questions. Okay. So, um, and I'll be conscious of time as well. Uh, this is from uh, Abba Isaiah, who's one of the Desert Fathers. He says, When a man separates from communion with the demons and from following their suggestions, then he will see his sins against God and will come to know Jesus better. But a man cannot see his sins until he separates himself from them through a separation filled with labor and effort. Those who have reached this condition have found tears and prayers. As they remember about their sly friendship with the passions, they do not dare to look towards God and live constantly with a broken spirit, a humbled spirit. Okay. Um, in the process of confession, what we are doing is we are bearing shame. Just as our Lord did on the cross. But it wasn't His own shame, right? It was the shame of our sins that He bore. But we are bearing shame. And this is central to confession. And this is what keeps people away from confession. It's what keeps people from giving a good confession. Because we don't want to face it. We don't even want to face it by us thinking about it. Let alone saying it and someone else has to hear that rottenness inside of us. But does that mean the rottenness doesn't exist? We go like this, la, 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 la. Of course not. Of course not. It's still there. It's still wreaking havoc inside of us. It's still causing death and corruption and decay. And our inertia goes more and more towards sin. So, but in doing this, I should add that this is a, a phrase from Elder Sophroni, bearing a little shame. Why is it a little shame? Because when we do that, God comes to the rescue and bears it with us. But if we're plugging our ears, pretending it doesn't exist, then God says, okay, if, if you're not ready for the healing, I give you that freedom. I allow for that freedom. 
And of course, we'll have to bear it all at the judgment day. So it's very, very important that we're able to, um, to, to, to bear that a little bit. Uh, so preparation for confession. Probe your conscience at the end of each day. St. Basil the Great encourages this. So each day, spend a few minutes at the end of the day. You can even have like a little notebook or something where you write things down. Um, because that, in doing that, we're, it's like um, exercise for our conscience. Because we're so busy trying to numb our conscience and ignore our conscience, we need to do something to invigorate it a little bit. And so what do we do? We pause at the end of the day. We think about, what have I done to hurt people today? What have I done to be selfish, to have pride, to have ego, whatever it may be? And write those things down. The writing down is also helpful because one of the devil's great tools is forgetfulness. We forget. We forget that we have that sin inside of us, and so we don't confess it. So writing it down is helpful. And then when it comes time to confession, you can sort of go through that list and summarize it or read it all or whatever. So I encourage that. Um, prepare on the day of by going through all those the sins that you have on your mind. The ones that are most prominent... Those are the ones to focus on. It doesn't mean you don't confess other sins. But start with the things where you can feel inside of you the wrongness of it. Where you really feel that. Because those are the things that are bigger wounds. That's kind of like your pain meter, if you will. The pain of your soul, of the wounds upon your soul. Is how much you feel ashamed of it. How much you just feel rotten about it. How much you don't want to think about it. In confessing it, you feel like you would be naked by saying it. So, And again, remember that um, there's nothing new under the sun. So nothing you can confess will be grossly shocking and have never been heard before. It will cause a burning, a searing of the ego, definitely. Because it's like, now someone else on this earth knows about this thing that I've been hiding from everyone. But... It's in the safest possible context because the priest is very strictly, strictly forbidden from ever speaking about any specifics of confession. So, so on that, I'll, I'll make just a couple of miscellaneous notes and then we'll open it up to questions. Um, before I make these notes, I want to say I'm not speaking specifically to or about any of you. I know I've heard a lot of your confessions here. So this isn't like, oh, okay, now I'm going to talk about how your confession goes or anything like that. These are just observations. Um, one, be specific. Be specific. Um, our tendency is to be more general because generalness kind of sugarcoats it. You know, someone could come into confession and say, I've been prideful and I've sinned against my neighbors and God. The confession is done, right? Is there anything that does not fall under that umbrella? No. So they're done, right? But that's not the point. That's not the surgery. That's not the bearing of the shame. That's, I'm doing this requirement that I'm supposed to do as a good Orthodox Christian and show up at confession. But that's not any surgery. That's not the healing that, that God is desiring for us. Um, so, err towards specificity. And even that specificity, you know, sometimes it, it doesn't, you don't need to get too specific. But 
it's not a bad thing. Like, if I am, uh, if I say I had a huge blowout and yelled at someone, and that someone is my wife, as opposed to that someone is my coworker, it's a different kind of sin. You see? So the specificity actually does uh, uh, is beneficial. Um, Generally, I encourage people to confess every one to three months, somewhere in that window. If you're not in that window, go for it. Jump right in. Um, because it's hard to remember things, you know, when we go longer without confession. So uh, I encourage that, again, about every one to three months. And we can. it's very easy to get out of the habit, so that's why I encourage you to get back in. Um, but don't be too formulaic in this. If you have a big sin something that you feel really rotten about, rush to confession. Rush to confession. You can always have just a really quick confession. Here's the thing I did. This one thing. And that's fine. Don't think, okay, I need to remember that for my confession in two months. Don't be like that. If it's a big thing, you know, and we have these in our lives where we just feel torn up inside, then call me, text me, email me, whatever, or whoever it is that you're confessing to. And... um, and that confession can be a very quick confession. It's not that every confession has to be a complete uh, analysis of all of the sins of my X amount of time. So it's good on your regular confession to do that, of course. But um, And I say this especially is true. If you feel like you can't have communion, you better rush to confession. The solution is not go without communion for weeks. Because I, you know, Father Matthew's too busy, or I just, I can't get to it, or my confession isn't due yet, so I just won't have communion. That's a terrible idea. Okay? Rush to confession. And if, in your rushing to confession, there's a liturgy before you get to confession, yeah, maybe you refrain from communion that day. But the idea is, if I'm going to refrain from communion, I should equally be rushing to confession as well. Those two go in tandem. Okay? Um... Generally, um, penances are not something that is common within the practice of the church in this day and age. Um, they, a penance is something that is for a person's spiritual uh, benefit, where a person says, I, can, I did this thing, and then the priest says, okay, well, because of that thing, why don't you do this, whatever it is, you know, extra prostrations. Or If it's an extreme sin, then the priest will say, you can't receive communion for a certain amount of time. Uh, but those are very extreme. So um, penances are not uh, too common in this day and age, and the reason for that is that uh, there's a lot a lot of brokenness in the world right now and people who are so um, weighed down by the burden of their sinfulness that just to have them come to confession the desire for healing is already there penance is really where it's like the repentance isn't full enough so let's help you get more repentant by doing these things so um, I, I sometimes will talk about them but now other priests may do things differently there are books about how you give penances and certain things on this and that, um, but um, it's uh, less common. So, should I confess involuntary sins? Can I get a show of hands? Should I confess involuntary sins? Yes. Yes. So this is a really important thing. This is the difference between the view of court versus hospital. 
Okay? Court versus hospital. If our view is the court, I don't want to have any more um, allegations against me. I want to have as few allegations as possible and try to talk my way out of them or do whatever sort of punishment I need to take so that I can be affirmed. That's the court view, and that's wrong. Okay? The hospital is, am I wounded? Am I wounded? So, uh, an involuntary sin, I mentioned this on Friday night. I'm driving down the road and someone jumps in front of me and I hit them. Is there wounding upon my soul? Of course. Of course. Does it need healing? Of course it does. So, of course I should bring it to confession. Does that mean I'm a bad person and I'm wrong or these kind of things? That's kind of irrelevant. It doesn't matter. What matters is, is your soul wounded? Does it need healing? So we confess involuntary sins as well. So it doesn't make you a worse person. It just means you get more healing. And who doesn't want that? Um, Generally, explanations aren't necessary. Certainly the telling of good deeds in relation to sins is not necessary. Why do you think we do this? (laughs) Right here. Because it's really hard. It's really hard to confess. So, um, but some of the strongest confessions can be, I did this. I did that. I did this to this person. I thought that about that person. Boom, boom, boom. Exactly like that. Because we're, we're making ourselves very naked. But that is exactly what... Think back on Adam and Eve. The first thing after they sinned, what do they want to do? Cover themselves up. Cover themselves up. And blame their spouse. And blame their spouse, yeah. Uh-huh. And blame God, too. The woman you gave me. <laughs> okay. Um, another uh, phrasing that can happen commonly uh, is the phrase, I allowed myself to... I let myself... What's happening in that? It's as though I have the control and the power. I actually have the control to not do it, but I let myself. So it's kind of like a sugarcoating. We don't need to do that. We just say, I did this. Own it. You know? So because when we say, I let myself, it's like, you know, kind of... I did it, you know, I kind of did it, but I kind of, you know, didn't want to. So, of course we don't want to sin. We know that. Um, and I think that's enough for now. Uh, well, actually, uh, one, one more, uh, actually two more. One is, there's a great benefit of having these lists of questions. Probably many of us use them. Uh, questions about off of the Ten Commandments or off the Beatitudes or off sins against God, sins against person. They're all over. You can find them in prayer books. These have their benefit, and their benefit is getting our mind flowing, warming up our conscience. The uh, downside of these is that that can become our confession list. We go through and like, okay, you know, and we list all these things. Okay. While we do need to list these things, it gives everything an equivalence. Right? If you just list off, boom, 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 they're all kind of equivalent things. Right? What does that do? It's kind of like if I say, well, let me tell you about my injuries. 
So I've got a splinter, I stub my toe, I have a compound fracture on my knee, I have a little rash on my elbow. What did I just do there? There's a gaping wound I just talked about, but I had all these other things that I also listed it with. So that doesn't help us, right? What we need to do, focus on the things that are the most painful, the things that are the most shameful. That's where our focus should be. Sure, we list the other things. We do. We confess those as well. But if we just boom, 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 go through this list, then, you know, first of all, the priest is kept of like, well, where do I offer words on? Like if someone says, um, I don't know, I uh, got angry with, you know, I, I've gotten angry at my loved ones. How much? How big of an issue is that? How traumatic to that person's soul and to the, the, the souls of those who receive that? I don't know. So there's only so much a priest can do. And sure, the, the uh, absolution still comes, but the healing isn't as deep because it's been sort of... Um, surrounded by these other things. It's almost like a compliment sandwich, kind of, in a strange way. So focus on those things and bring them out in confession. Say, here's the thing I'm really struggling with. Are these two things are things that I didn't used to have a problem with, but now I do. You know, give more of that description, because then there's more healing that can occur. So I'll stop here and open it up to questions. You had one first, Leah. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to phrase it properly. Okay. So the two questions, one is how do I know what is a sin? And then also about the wounding of the soul, is that the same as feeling that you feel bad about? Um, so I'll do the last one first. It's interwoven. Um, we may be totally dulled to the wounds that we're causing to ourselves. So sometimes that takes you know, uh, a, a, some grace of God upon the priest, where the priest might say, that thing you just mentioned, can you tell me more about that? And it might help to reveal something that actually was, was bigger. But the, the fact that we feel bad about something, that's, that's always there's wounding there if we feel bad about it. Unless it's something of pride, like, I feel bad that people know that I'm not a nice person. I feel bad that people saw me yell at my kids. You know? <laughs> Don't need to confess that. <laughs> Again, that, that's it's sort of like how we frame it. So it should just simply be, I yelled at my kids. You know? And the second sin could be, and I got even angrier because I was thinking about what people around me were looking at. So, you know, we can parcel it out that way. Uh, the other question about uh, how do we know what is sin? I would say, uh, just be generous. Say it. If you're not sure, just say it. You know? Um, because what's the worst that can happen? You just say it and it's, it's passed by and then the prayer still covers that. Sometimes people will come to me for counseling and also confession. And my personal preference is let's do it all within confession. Because if there's something in there that is kind of a sin and involved, well now we don't have to like restate it in the confession. I don't always do that, but that, that's something you know uh, that can be helpful as well. Good question. Other questions? Yes. One 
Yeah, okay, good point. Don't confess other people's sins. Yeah, don't blame other people. Don't confess their sins. So we do this especially with loved ones where we're trying to explain... I'll put another word in there. We're trying to explain away our own sins. As, well, this is why it happened. It doesn't matter. It happened. I did it. That's the simple, straightforward. Yeah. Um, because, as, as we can imagine, if we were truly holy and truly humble, every offense would wash off of us like water. We would never be offended. So the fact that we have any offense or any response to other people's actions, that's our sin. Every single time, everywhere, always. Yeah, question. Uh, did you have one, Eleni, and then... Yeah, that's okay, yeah, that's okay. Yeah. Things that you've confessed before that still bother you. That's a very good point. So think of a wound, okay? If I have a compound fracture in my femur, I get the surgery to heal that. Does that mean everything's fine and dandy? No. So we confess, like, let's say, I killed someone. I confess that, but that's such a traumatic sin that there are secondary, tertiary sins related to that. Thinking about it again having a tendency towards anger, whatever it may be. And so, again, what I would say is err on the side of just confess it. So, and certainly, if you're going to a new priest, it's worthwhile to say, you know, this is something I did. I confessed it already, but I wanted to mention that. And, oh, by the way, I still, um, you know, I still have anger over that situation, or I still have this or that. There's more there. So, um, I, again, I would err on the side of just confess it or confess things relating to it. You know, for those big sins in our past, while we don't want to think about the sin too much, we can think about, like, okay, how is that still affecting me? And confess that. So, you had a question, Bonnie? Our category would be the word justify. We try to justify. Yeah. Yeah, so the, the category of, of justifying, justifying ourselves. Yeah, justification in and of itself is a sin, and then when we're doing that in confession, it's kind of like, why bother? Yeah. It's, what it is, again, think of everything in terms of a wound. It's like pulling up the band-aid saying, look, see under there? Okay. Yeah. You know? It's not, you're not getting there, you know? I didn't really do this because this is why and this is how and that's why I was justified in what I did. So, yeah. There's a, I'm thinking of like a phrase in the prayer of absolution that, that uh, something like... Um, the sins you have forgiven, you have not remembered through ignorance or forgetfulness? Yes. Yeah, and, yeah. And I think it says, you know, you're forgiven for those as well. Yeah. Of course, then we'll remember them later maybe. So you yeah. just bring it back and... Yeah. So like you, you've done yeah. Really forget. Yeah. So uh, within the prayers, um, there are two prayers that are said after the confession. They're combined usually, and some in some practices they just say the latter prayer. But in that first prayer, it mentions and those sins which you have forgotten through ignorance or forgetfulness, or you have not named through ignorance or forgetfulness. So it's clear it's not withholding sins. If you're withholding a sin, that's against you. But if you have sins that you're ignorant of, or you've forgotten, yeah, there's sort of a, a general blanket. Now, we don't want to go too far on this side here. Well, 
technically, legally, because the prayer said that, it's done. No, we, we still want to be on this side. So we say, if I have forgotten things, if I am ignorant of them, well, guess what? We're always ignorant of our sins. We're always ignorant of them. And by God's grace, over time, over years, you, you might experience this in long-standing relationships, or like a long marriage, where 20, 30 years into the marriage, you have kind of like a little blowout, and then you realize, wow, there's been this thing that is, I've been doing to my spouse for years, and I never knew it. So I go and confess that thing. So um, we would always want anything that we can think of, still bring it into confession, even if we remember it later. That's just sort of like a, a stopgap, if you will. You know, God in his compassion says, well, we'll throw these things in there too. Um, so, any other questions? Yes? Five minutes. Okay, perfect. I don't know if we have any other questions. Oh, yes? This is off topic, but the rules you're not supposed to eat or drink anything after midnight uh-huh. confession. Does that still apply for, for communion? Communion. Oh, good. Yeah, okay. So off-topic question is about fasting for communion when it's an evening service. So at a minimum, I would say six hours before, at a minimum, um, so that you're at least, if not skipping a meal, you're having it really early, earlier than you normally would. Um, but the practice is to not eat during the day as well. So, so somewhere in there, whether it's just having breakfast or breakfast and an early lunch, that kind of thing. But if you don't feel hungry for a couple hours before communion, then you didn't prepare properly. You should feel hungry because you should feel like it's empty and now it's ready to receive the body and blood of Christ. So, yeah. Other questions? Anything else? Good. Okay, I've got you stunned. So if you have any other follow-up questions about this, please feel free to see me. Um, And just as much as you can, keep bearing the shame because this is the only healing you're going to get on this side of the grave. On that side of the grave, it's, uh, it's a different kind of equation. So everything that you confess is not held against you at the final judgment seat. Okay? Thank you very much. Let's rise for prayer. Christ our God, compassionate and merciful and long-suffering, we pray that you grant us the strength, the courage, the bravery to confess our sins boldly to you in the sacrament of confession. We pray that you help us to see our own sins and to see them that we may repent of them and no longer be held by those chains which bind us. For you are holy always, now and ever, and to ages of ages. Amen. Thank you, everyone.